Greetings, boils and ghouls. You're listening to Crypt Creepers, the podcast where we stalk and impale the greatest horror anthology of our generation, Tales from the Crypt. I'm Thomas Johnston, and this sweating sack of uncooked hamburger is my fellow Johnston family child, Mary Johnston. Why am I uncooked hamburger this time around? <laughs> that's that's how I kind of think Richard looks for a lot of this episode. <laughs> just kind of a kind of a beefy man, just sort of sweating and like kind of consuming himself from the inside. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I like to think that's probably what I would look like if I let myself go just a little bit more. Like if I ate one more Snickers bar a day, that's what I'd be like. <laughs> Um, we should get, I'll, we'll get into how he looks later on. I, I think I, we, you and I might have conflicting takes. Oh, no, I don't really think he looks bad or anything. I mean, I think he's fine. You're like, I mean, I wouldn't want to look like him. I'd have totally let myself go to look like <laughs> well, Richard. I, I did say that I only have to eat one more candy bar a day, implying that I eat many candy bars a day. <laughs> he does have one thing, or you have one thing he doesn't have, though. What's that? A great big bushy beard. <laughs> <laughs> you are welcome for that hot fuzz reference. <laughs> All right, should we get into it? Get into it. I thought we did it. That's good. All right. Signing off. Uh, blah blah blah. Rate and review us on iTunes. Blah blah blah. John Kassir's boat. Today we're talking about Three's a Crowd, which is... Three's Company 2. Oh, we were going to do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> let's let's start again. Let's start again. <laughs> Come on up to our do door. door. We, we are, are waiting, waiting for, for you. <laughs> Three's Company 2. Yeah, that maybe kind of sounds like the same song. No, so today's episode is Three's a Crowd, um, which is a... A, sp- a spine-curdling tale. Spine-curdling? Yeah, about a guy named Richard. Richard. Well, that's not his full name. I mean, that's not what his friends would call him. Yeah, they call him Rick. Call him Dick. <laughs> call him Rick. <laughs> they probably don't. I mean, because uh, as we'll get into, his friend Alan is the real Dick. Oh, really? And I don't mean private. Richard, tell us about it. Things just haven't turned out right for Richard. Professional failure and difficulty conceiving, as well as Richard's prodigious taste for alcohol, have driven a wedge between him and his wife, Della, who he knows is the only good thing in his life. While celebrating their 10th anniversary at their wealthy friend Alan's cabin, Richard begins to suspect that she is planning on leaving him. Alone with his thoughts, he descends into madness, murder, and self-destruction. Ba, 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 boo, boo. <laughs> no, I mean, we should just spill the beans right away. This is the best episode we've seen so far, I think. Agreed. And I think this is one of the darkest, rawest, most visceral pieces of horror media I've seen in my life. I would agree. It's very, very good. And would it surprise you to know that David Burton Morris, the person who directed this and wrote this, has done absolutely nothing I'm familiar with oh, <laughs> apart from this? Well, I mean, you do have terrible taste. No, no. That, that, I, and I think this this really um, all, all mean-spirited mean sibling joking aside, I think this does speak to what you talked about last episode about how, you know, kind of like 
come for Arnold, stay for the char- for the brilliant character actor pieces. Yeah, uh, I agree. Just very firmly well, in that second category. At least this is supporting it for sure. So, that, you know, I'm just one person, so potentially I am not as as versed. The only Wait. thing, the only thing that he has has done that I I know I've heard of but never seen or experienced myself is a um, stoner period piece um, called Purple Haze. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is supposed to be kind of like a comedy, but also maybe like commentary about anti like anti war commentary. I'm not sure, um, but th- that's a thing. It's Pineapple he did. Express, man, like before it's time, man. It's like half baked, except nom. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's a thing that he did. Um, and then the cast is basically just made up of character actors, um, and it's a pretty tight cast. It's really a three a three person. Uh, junk. And Mark your bingo cards. <laughs> it's really just a three-hander, this one. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a th- it's a three bananas and a bunch kind of situation. It's really, three grapes really, on a vine. And really, if you go, if you if you want to go real English major with it, it's really just a one-man monologue. It's not. Um, <laughs> so Gavin O'Hurley, he is uh, Richard and is the only one that I recognized from the cast as well because he is Ark the friend of Mad Mardigan and leader of that that army that's kind of like always uh, tertiarily involved in the excellent film Willow. Yeah. Why can't Ron Howard make good movies anymore? <laughs> Wait, Ron, did Ron Howard make Willow? Isn't that a George Lucas thing? Yeah. Ron Howard is the director. My, the thing I noticed, I, I actually rewatched some of uh, some of Willow. <laughs> to kind of like bone up on Eric and who he is and everything. Um, the things I love, he's a great character because he's basically the live action version of um, Aquaman from the Batman Brave and the Bold cartoon. He's just very like, ah, 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 sort of a like Brian Blessed sort of like yeah. very on board. If <laughs> he, he, he is always about three seconds away from basically being like, tally ho. He reminds me of... Um... Uh, Lord Flashheart from uh, Blackadder. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But you do notice, right, he keeps calling Willow a peck, which as far as I can tell is sort is of a like... a slur? Yeah, which is basically like saying the N-word a lot. Yeah, no, well, but everybody does. <laughs> everybody does. Everybody oh, calls oh, so Willow so I guess that makes peck. it okay then. So it's No, a... no, no. But like when I watched it, I was like, man! This yeah, is these people are terrible. These people are very racist. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Or speciesist. Is yeah. Willow a person or is he his own thing? I don't know. It, it comes down to the whole thing where it's weird, right? When you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, they call like elves races, which I don't yep. know if that's is, is that good or bad. I don't know which one is more accurate. Maybe an anthropologist or a well, biologist all of it, can get back all of it is hooey bananas, so it doesn't really matter. All right. So even though we have t- so we've talked about one very specific role that Gavin or Hurley he played, but really he's kind of a he's a versatile character actor, isn't he? I mean, he was in. Um, he was in. A, he's a minor Bond villain who's killed by a snake that's thrown into his lap, and then he crashes his car. Great clip on YouTube. Yeah, he by far has the great clip on YouTube. Highly recommend. <laughs> yeah, watch um, today. <laughs> Four out of five snakes in the laps would watch again. So, what is this? What is the story? What's the moral? What is the story telling us? Don't become alienated from yourself and those around you and even if your friend is kind of a dick don't shoot him with a crossbow or strangle your wife with a lingerie scarf (laughs) lingerie scarf 
Um, that, I, maybe that, I mean, that, it, but, but probably. But that, 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 I mean, isn't it? that kind of what it is? Because it, I, I feel like it should be stockings, but it seems thinner. I feel like it is like some sort of, you know, nineties no, lingerie was bananas. I think it's, as I think someone, it's a stocking. as yeah, someone it's, who basically called first dibs on every Victoria's Secret catalog that came into the house. Sorry, mom and dad. Um, really, okay, but I feel like actually this um, kind of might be a little bit of a hot take. I actually kind of feel like this episode really doesn't have like a heavy-handed moral. It really is just us watching this guy sort of self-destruct in a in, in, in theatrical fashion. Um, it, it doesn't it doesn't re- really need morality because it's obvious that this is a bad thing. Yeah, I I agree. I feel like this is more nuanced. I do think that there is a strong moral of it. Which is basically um, insecurity will poison your mind and make everything sure. around you seem seem yeah. the way that you like you reflect to the world what you see inside of yourself, and mm-hmm. that and and that there's no amount of support or love that someone can give you that will change that course. Yeah. Or to paraphrase RuPaul, if you don't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can yeah. I get an amen and no one strangling their wife in here? Amen. Yeah. Amen. No, I, I'm not strangling. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that that's the thing. And I and I think they do a really beautiful job with it uh, in the story because you kind of understand why he's so paranoid. Like the stuff, <laughs> the interactions between uh, Della and Paul and Alan are really weird. Yes. And the way that Della acts with him is also kind of weird. It, it, it's beautiful and sad in that. I mean, like the, the whole the whole opening sequence sort of in the in that in that bonkers hotel um it like the music and like the way they interact is so like cold and like profoundly sad uh it it, 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 it's sort of a you know two people who are comfortable and familiar with each other who have grown apart and are almost too tired or too constrained by social obligations to actually interact in a way that is therapeutic or helpful with one another you know, they, they 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 start to sort of make up and smooch a little bit, and then Alan calls on the phone, and he's like, "Just let it ring." And she's like, "No, I have to answer the phone. I have to answer." You know, you know, like it's that kind of it's the thing. It's 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 a it's it's a di- it's a dying relationship. No, people might know what they're supposed to do, but that's too much. That's that's too much work. Yeah, I mean, I feel like. Um... The entire first sequence of this makes me feel sad that every time I try to watch Dark Shadows, I can't. But that's what I imagine Dark Shadows being. It's like kind of melodramatic, but sort but beautiful and stylized and weird and all those things. And Dark Shadows is actually just sort of like brown and weird and like very stilted storytelling. Um, So I can't I can't hang with it. But I do like the style of this very much. Um, Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's sort of like you, these people, these two people absolutely cannot break their patterns. And I think that there's also a really, a really important message here, which is sometimes surprise parties are not worth inflicting pain on your significant other. <laughs> surprise parties are always BS. Well, no, like if you're married to like a really insecure, crazy person, don't throw them a surprise party. You should just communicate directly with them. You should be like, hey, I'm pregnant. We're going to celebrate with everybody that we know. This also sets up the like funny uh, kind of uh, soap opera sort of premise, right? Which is that these people are on their 10th anniversary. 
they're going out with their unpleasant they're they're staying with their unpleasant rich friend who keeps making weird passes at Richard's wife. Actually, um, I think he's deeply pleasant. It's just that he's sort of strange. Well, I, maybe. I mean, I feel like it's it's. Have you ever, uh, you ever had a significant other um, who has like a weird ex girlfriend or boyfriend who you feel like is always kind of there to like remind you? And this 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 totally is insecurity making you a monster. But like, it's constantly reminding you that like, sort of, they got there first. <laughs> and you want to be like, "Hey, chill out. This not, is my not, significant other now." Not personally, but I feel like that's a that's a well a well worn yeah. trope. And I, I assume it's because. But you know, like 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 because like Richard is or um Alad is like smooching on his wife a little bit, and is always like, you know, I trade all my money and fame if I could only have another shot with you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And you're like, wait, what? You snooze, you lose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like uh, it's just. <laughs> I think he's sort of a jerk. Um, but even then, so he's so so they're spending their tenth anniversary with with their friend, and um, when Richard is mad that she has been out shopping with him for too long, and he bought her this coat, and he says stuff like, you know, this is this this diminishes me and this embarrasses me, and I don't like it. And she will hear nothing of it, and then she says, "I don't want you to ruin it for him," which, like, I mean, she is not a cartoon character scold. You know, she's not. You know, it's not set up that way, but it just tells a lot. Like, this is really more like kind of about keeping up appearances and being nice for their friend than it is about, like, connecting in a therapeutic way. Um, you know, you're always sorry. And he says, I'm afraid of losing you. Um, and then he, uh, when she takes the phone call, you hear her say, I didn't tell him yet. It wasn't the right time. And you can tell that he hears it and he's like, eaten up, or he being Richard, is just eaten up with insecurity and booze. Um, the performance is a little bit like, he uh he he's a drunk but also he's you know kind of self-destructive from the inside so every he's you can tell he's kind of like jaded and about three steps back from everyone else where he's sort of like kind of looking at the world kind of through his own uh through sort of a, a haze or a kind of a thick fog of his own creation uh and and they, it, it 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 helps because he is he's isolating himself through um uh, through the choices he makes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think that once you know, once you know what happens at the end, you can watch it back through and you're like, eh, Alan's not so bad. Della's not so bad. They're both acting weird because they're planning the surprise party. And oh, right, they're both right. like, I think like when she's like, don't ruin it for him. I do. That is a weird thing for her to say, but I think it's also sort of like, look, I'm about to like, we're about to have a party with all of our friends and I'm pregnant. Stop being such a jerk. Like right, you're right, making right. me feel stupid for throwing for like throwing this party for you, you know? So, yeah. And don't so, don't ruin why why the incredible generosity of our friends. Mm-hmm. There is something that I think. So um, also also the camera work and stuff is beautiful. I don't I don't know if this is if there is such a thing as like an auteur episode of Tales from the Crypt. But this has this has sort of like uh, there's a lot of funny sort of um, looking from the top down. There's some kind of funny boozy, not 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 cartoony, but like kind of focus and unfocus and who's in the foreground and who's who's watching who that the this is shot quite beautifully and in a way that I think definitely sort of has a point of view, um, which kind of makes me wonder. So I think that this piece may actually be kind of an unreliable narrator situation. And I think it's all from Richard's perspective. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that the things that feel off and weird, I think that if there is reality, the reality is everybody's being normal. And and because and he is so 
so so so consumed with with feelings of failure and shame and and the booze and everything that he um uh doesn't um uh he 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 can only see what he wants to see because like there's the part where he wakes up and uh uh Della is not next to him in bed and he kind of like creeps downstairs and sees her and Alan on the porch talking and uh Alan says something like does he suspect anything and Della says god i hope not um, and then says something like, um, I thought everything was fine, but I never knew I could be this happy. And like that. So that doesn't. So number one, if you're planning a surprise party and to reveal that you're pregnant to your husband and you guys have been trying for like 10 years to have a baby. I don't think you'd be <laughs> They would be like, do you think he's going to figure out the party? I don't think you'd be like, God, I hope not. Like with that sort of weird fear. Like, oh, if Richard, if Richard discovers it, he's going to be so it's going to it's just going to be real awkward if he already knows. <laughs> and then I. Then the, I thought everything was fine, but I never knew I could be so happy. What we see at the beginning is not that. We see two people who are like who are like le- who who are who are most of the way out of the door, leaving each other. Um, <laughs> it's not the way somebody who's like I never knew I could be so happy acts. So yeah, anyway, I know. to me that makes me think I feel like this is Richard like like uh, projecting his um project projecting his loathing on the world. I, I agree with that I like that read a lot. I think that that's that, that's very supported and it has like a good, you know, like like the Shining is very much like that. Mm-hmm. Stories about stories, kind of character pieces about people descending into madness. Generally, you can't trust that everything that happens to them is is actually what's going down. Exactly. Um, but I think that we can all uh, we can all appreciate that. Um, you know, the ultimate the ultimate upshot of this is all of this could have been saved if somebody had a little conversation with each other. Mm-hmm. Hey, don't strangle me. I am pregnant. I think this episode, despite the kind of hacky premise, you know, you're right. Like, there's going to be a surprise party and, and he misunderstands and thinks she's having an affair. I mean, that that that, that could be a sitcom episode, really. Um, but I think they do a good job of just kind of showing that, like, he's just kind of drunk and, and people don't and people are off putting so that, like, they just don't want to hang out with him. And you can imagine it's kind of like... Um, He's just having a bad weekend. And so they're just like, we'll just let him let him get it out of the system and we're going to set up this party and it'll be fine. Um, well, and so, I, you know, and then and then at the and, and and they don't realize how much he's self-destructed. And then at the point where he's, you know, actually killing people, um, although it would make sense to be like, you stupid idiot, you're, you're you're a dad. We're having a surprise party. We're like well past that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I agree with that, too. I think that there is a strong suggestion that we have a unreliable narrator here in that you don't get the sense he's like, I'm totally alone. And then like like a surprise party happens. You're like, you have all these friends who trekked out to the woods to surprise you. Like, yeah. clearly, clearly you the, the, this is this is something this is something internal, not external. You are not abandoned. There is there is kind of a weird thing, too, though, where I think the people around him seem to enable him in his destruction, though. You know, instead of saying rich, rich you know, instead of saying something like, Richard, you're scaring me. I don't like the way you're I don't like I don't like the way that you're being. Um, let's talk about it. it they, 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 they're, they're just kind of like, Richard, you're such an ass. You know, ah, we're leaving. I'm going to go hang out at the nut shop where it's fun. Yeah. Um, they um, the uh, the sort of. um uh, hired man like is offering him pulls on his whiskey flask. There's booze all around him all the time that he can drink. Do when, you think the hired um, man is real? Um, yes. Because oh, that's right. Because peop- Richard interacts with, pe- them. People other uh, Richard Alan, interact with them. Alan interacts with them. Yeah. Yeah, but 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 I get what you mean. D- 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 does that conversation on the dock really take place? I mean, maybe maybe not. 
I think it exists. I, I, and what's funny about that is I feel like that doesn't have like a I, I don't feel like it has a super, super strong point of view. It just kind of introduces the idea that like, yeah, you know, marriages fall apart. And yeah, infidelity is a thing. And also have some booze, cowboy. Like, I think well, it's. And I also think it shows that potentially the other two are too close to him and like too wrapped up in sort of this like larger social construct, which is we're throwing this party and there are all yeah. these other people like secretly on this like, you know, wooded island with us to have this party that they're not like really willing to acknowledge that this guy is losing it. But to a f- to fresh eyes to this person who is, you know, never met Richard before. He's like, whoa, you're real messed up, friend. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yes. like. So I think that that's that's kind of an interesting thing. And then that only makes Richard angrier that there's somebody who who can kind of see this darkness. Yeah. The um, uh, I also I. It took me another watch to really realize the part where Alan talks about packages from the mainland. And then, you know, they squared away, oh, yes, sir. And then Richard is like, packages? And then he goes, food, booze, drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, again, but again, it's like more of this weird enabling, like, yeah, don't give them booze. What's, what's, what, are you trying to make, like, and, and not even in a, like, you know, it makes them unpleasant. But, I mean, you are, like, giving him the tools for his own destruction. I know, but at the same time, probably they are, don't want to be like, you know, he's no, probably no. not at this phase where they're like, oh, yeah, he's drunk Richard. <laughs> Richard we're having an intervention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at which when he kills everyone at the end. What if he's that like, was the we're surprise? Having an the surprise is we're staging an intervention, Richard. <laughs> we're having an anniversary slash you're going to be a dad slash intervention party. <laughs> you got to lose the sauce and gain a kid. Yeah. It's your anniversary. Time to stop drinking because you're going to be a dad. Alan says something that I think is great and thematic. He says, all the money, all the success, it doesn't mean anything if you're alone. And he thinks he's talking about his life. Himself, yeah. he, he, You know, he probably, like, has a series of, you know, infidelity-riddled relationships with, like, underwear models or something. You know, whatever it is that rich guys who yeah. have. Because he's I mean, on, like, private islands and stuff have. He has a um, yacht and two cabins. So, yeah. you know, he's <laughs> clearly doing very well for himself. <laughs> Um, uh, but 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 also right like that also applies to Richard, um, both alone I think in terms of like uh, the um, the stress that not having children can impart on a relationship, um, kind of depending on your stage of life, oh, yeah. and then also Richard is alone um, and is alone for a lot of this show or this 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 episode, and so like it 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 cuts it cuts like six different ways and all of them are cool. Yeah, or, or like it doesn't matter if you choose to be alone. So Richard has has descended into a state where he cannot he cannot is not capable of intimacy with anybody, Emo- right, right, emotional right. intimacy with anybody. So he is all by himself, and that is what's actually making him crazy. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. And then at the end, when he kills everyone, or so he thinks, then he really is alone. You know. So. Yeah. Oh, um, I thought it was fun that uh, Richard, and I think this is totally throwaway, but he says something when he's when he's having a sort of drunken blow up. And like you can tell he's basically telling him that he thinks they're cheating on him. And, and instead of being like, we aren't cheating, we're just throwing you a party. They're just like, oh, Richard, you're drunk. You're dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he, he, he name checks the previous episode. He says, till death do us part. Isn't that right, baby? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, I saw that episode. <laughs> I know it's I know it's gonna happen. Um, another great episode. This is this are two back to back. Yeah, yeah. Are these, are, this is, these are good too, and and so different. Super awesome. So um, different. 
I also wonder if potentially he, Richard, is projecting, um, is project like, is projecting some of his insecurities on his surroundings as well. I mm-hmm. feel like we have sort of this. So we start. His escalation is sharp. It's a sharp climb. But I think that mm-hmm. his acting is really good, and it's like a it it feels really smooth. I think because you start at a place where everything is white marble, everything is cold, metal doors, mm-hmm. satin fabrics. You know, like everything is kind of like cool and calm, like him sitting in the dark drinking, right? Mm-hmm. And then we go, we 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 have like kind of a a a, a change of venue via yacht. And now, right. suddenly, and, and also an awesome, perfectly smooth open. I'm sure. I'm sure it's you know, it's a set or not a set, but it's you know, um, uh, inserted footage or whatever. But you notice like there, there's no land to see. There's no other boats. It's nope. this empty. I you, you know, they're like sailing off into nothing, <laughs> which also feels great. It feels great with the. I mean, it feels bad, but it feels great with the mood. <laughs> it's a bad feeling, and that bad feeling is good. <laughs> you see him. You see him like narrowing in on them. As like mm-hmm. as the as the two uh, of like arbiters of his of his misery and his distress yeah. is like yeah. watching these two people who enjoy each other's company and leaving him out. Yeah, um, right. right. But so I, I I thought that the set work was really really good, and um, you actually pointed out that this cabin is in this episode in general is sort of rife with this idea of failure and being a cuckold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like for example, going to, going to the cabin and it being full of like horned animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, uh, the Chekhov's crossbow on the wall, which I immediately clocked, but yeah, no, there's, there's horned animals everywhere. Um, Richard himself t- definitely feels like a failure. There's failure to conceive professionally. He is humiliated by this man, um, who is successful and he's just a bartender now. Um, uh, I did know. love, I did love how like Alan is sort of non-specifically, rich but like richard's obsession and granular granularity with his failure is like yeah he's not it's not enough for him to be like yeah i'm a bartender he's like yeah i'm a bartender at that bar we used to go to that's a real dump like it's very specific um and it makes it all the more stark between them like alan is just like he's just wealthy what we don't really know what he does we don't know how he got his money when he talks about it he's not like oh yes i've been very fortunate i'm blessed and lucky I'm very yeah. yeah. I've been very lucky to to be able to accumulate all this wealth, whereas Richard has to like kind of like he's right. got to grit it out. And um, I think I think and some of that I think keeps the thing where like Richard is the most real thing, and then everything outside of him are kind of loose, foggy, foggy and indistinct, but in a like a judgy, punishing, failing, cold. I mean, my notes are just full of words where I'm just like alone, isolation, slipping away shame yeah yeah totally <laughs> it reads like reads like something I, you know i would have written like like sophomore year of high school <laughs> um but i think it also shows that like richard um richard doesn't understand what kind of success needs to be valued and right. doesn't understand and like isn't interested in the details he just knows that everybody else has it and he doesn't right yeah yeah, yeah. um and he doesn't See, like he's not like as we've touched on he's not like totally crazy like alan is still 
interested in Della, but it's just in kind of a passing sort of like bittersweet, like, oh, the one that got away kind of way. It's not really like I don't think he's actively pursuing her. No, no. But it's also like he seems to also think it's cute to like touch her leg a bunch. So, yeah. (laughs) Well, she kisses him on the cheek, too. I mean, like, I just think it's not. But it it would it would make you crazy if you saw it. But at the same time, like. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, like, you don't Rick, need to like murder somebody over it. Well, and also Alan is not really a threat. Like if yeah, Alan no, right. were a threat, it would have already happened. So the problem right. is that Richard can't conceive that Alan could be jealous of something in his life. He just sees it as Alan gets everything mm-hmm. he wants. So Alan must have clearly already taken what he wanted. Yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. He yeah. doesn't understand that like there's like that healthy thing where you're like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not in, I'm not going to like I'm not actually interested in your wife. She's your wife. And Della's not going to be like, "Yeah, I'm not actually interested in sleeping with your friend. He's your best friend. It's not I'm in a marriage." You know, What's they fun? have what? they have those healthy boundaries and he doesn't have a sense of those boundaries. Yeah, yeah right. because it's all about him being a failure and yes. being the victim of the world. Yeah. It it, it also is funny because you, I think you without without stating it or anything like that um, you, the, the the character work and the writing and the way it's shown is good. You can like figure it out. You're like, oh yeah, Alan was always more of Della's friend than he was Richard's friend. <laughs> like, well, but apparently not. Best he she yeah, says right. he was his friend, right. but I think I that know, they've... I know. But but like, but yeah. but, you, but you know that's how Richard like at this point Richard is just like. Oh. But again, that 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 speaks to maybe the unreliable narrator or the fact that this is that this is a uh, piece of media with a very particular point of view. There's also constant. Uh, there's a lot of voyeurism. He like there's a lot of him he's in his peeping. isolation. He's constantly Watch, peeping. watching people, watching people from a distance or up close yeah. or kind of overhearing snippets of conversation. Um, I did think so. The So, of course, the twist he, that is that he's going to be a dad. Um, but I do think that they I don't know if this was brilliant or not, because um, I, I, I was kind of thinking about that the first time I saw it or I or I know I was going to when. Uh, he wakes up, wakes up alone, which is like a great, a great scene, a great, you know, it feels great. And he panics because maybe, you know, what's going on. And then he goes and he sees them uh, on the porch. They both are holding highball glasses. And so that totally faked me out. I was like, oh, she's not, this isn't going to be a pregnancy thing. Cause they, cause they've kind of peppered in the, you know, inability to conceive. Okay. Um, but I was like, oh, she's drinking booze out there and you, she doesn't actually drink out of the glass, but I don't know if that's brilliant misdirection or if it's a little bit sloppy where it doesn't quite give you the tools you need to figure it out. Um, it, I think it she doesn't has matter. A, it's still brilliant. I think, but, she, I think she has a decaffeinated iced tea in that highball glass. Yeah, might be, might be. I think that Alan's the kind of hot couch guy who just doesn't have glasses that aren't designed to hold liquor. What <laughs> is a hot couch. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Alan definitely. Yeah, I feel like there are big leather couches in the. There definitely are. Um, I do love that scene where Richard wakes up alone because he's he wakes up alone, but his arm, like you see it from the perspective of his hand, is the closest to the camera, right? Uh-huh. And his arm is totally stretched out across her side of the bed, mm-hmm. and he wakes up and he immediately knows. Like it's like he doesn't even he doesn't even check in on himself. When he wakes up mm-hmm. for the first time and be like, where am I? Like, he's in a strange place, you know? Yeah. Immediately, he wants to know where she is because that's right. what he's that like. He is he has externalized his self-loathing so much that he's like, oh, she's gone, which means something terrible is happening. He's like kind of prowling around the upstairs, like circling the upstairs cat walkway kind of thing, like yeah. waiting, just like waiting to entrap her and like know that she has betrayed him just as he suspected all along. But I loved I that. Mean, that, I mean, maybe that reference. Yeah, but 
there's but I think I think but again what makes it fun is that it it can I think it can kind of go both ways though too he's not like he's not like obviously a, a no no when you watch it for spouse. the first time you feel for him you're like oh yeah right, yeah, right. totally because I mean because because it, it, it is sort of like my possession is gone like he's a dragon on top of a pile of gold but also it can it, it can also be like um you know I'm holding on to and protecting with my arm and sleeping in an embrace with the only thing that that, that that is successful and good in my life and now it's gone and it's taken away and she's leaving me and I and I you know I fucked that up too you know or, like or it might even know. be or it might even be kind of like the midway point between the two where it's like oh like he is this is his greatest fear but it's also kind of like there's like a weird pleasure in realizing that what your fear is happening you're like staring yeah. down your fear mm-hmm. I kind of got that sort of vibe from him like yeah. the, he kind of is a little bit gleeful about about the possibility of their infidelity and like him being able to trap them, be like, aha, I knew all along, right? right. Yeah, yeah. I'm not crazy. Yeah. I'm not yeah. crazy, but he is crazy. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> I'm not crazy. Also, this is my own destruction. <laughs> yeah. Um, can we touch down on the end? Let's just let's yes. just like fully so uh Richard shoots Alan with the crossbow and then sticks him up on the wall somehow. How he did that, yeah. As if he is a mounted uh trophy. Like, trophy like a right. buck but like but not like in a stupid way where his like head is it's just he's no, no, just no. his body impaled just like him on the wall with stuck up there yeah, yeah. yeah. um and bolts. bolts if you're a crossbow nerd and Quarrels. after uh after chasing della about their cabin a bit and she goes into a room and shoves a dresser in front of the door um he final and he she finally escapes out a window which she should have done immediately um and matter because she's like stunned from the fall Yep. And he garrots her with some lingerie that he discovered, which we know was probably for she bought for him. Yeah. But well, she bought technically. Bought, yeah, right. She bought for her for let's him. Swallow, let's swallow that that Victoria's Secret Kool-Aid. <laughs> she bought it for herself because no woman wants anything oh, more right. than having uh, a piece of lace jammed up their hoo-ha. Right. Well, I mean, this is also the 90s, though. So, it's, it's, so, so lingerie was, I think, a more interesting <laughs> involved process. Oh yeah. So what you're saying is it's like it's basically just like a body sock with with strategic holes cut in it. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I know I know you think it's it's it, their stockings. I like to think it's a sex scarf. It's just like a thi- sex scarf. It's like a thing where she has there, there's like a camisole or something, you know. And then like we we don't see any of this. I'm just making this up. This is me fantasizing. A on, camisole. On, 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 no, you know, it's like a camisole with like and then like weird weird full coverage, but very high cut. Um, panties yes and then like and then like a scarf and then maybe two fishnet fingerless gloves that you're supposed to wear with it too probably the scarf is just to keep the chill off your neck <laughs> right because yeah, you're, like, you're gonna you... get cold you're gonna yeah. get cold when you're wearing your little robber gloves yeah you're gonna get cold when you're balancing uh you know 16 pieces of sushi on your navel yeah exactly yeah exactly um but, but yes but but anyway he catches her he garrots her he drags her to the to the the other cabin where Alan has been staying, where he thinks he, th- where I guess he thinks he'll discover the love nest, only to discover that all their nearest well, and dearest are there. What he tells her is that he's going, like he tells her corpse that he's going to rape it. Yeah, he says, "I feel good. Let's go to the cabin and work on that kid again." <laughs> yeah, no, I mean we we can dig into this. This is this is one of the the, the darkest, most upsetting. Like it's 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 so raw and terrible. I mean, okay, so. I think that um, uh, uh, the 
the um, I think that uh, Gavin O'Hurley, he really has mastered this sort of unhinged, like hilarious and menacing. He uh, it's 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 what I think is sort of like the um, uh, Christian Bale in American Psycho kind of thing Mm. where like he's a little bit goofy and soft spoken and funny. And then like every now and then the mask slips and just out comes like raw, terrible, misogynistic profanity. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And he's then like, the mask he's like, pof- and, and all of it sums up to being like scary, but also a little bit pathetic. Right. But I, but like, you know, when, 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 when Alan comes to come get him to presumably bring him down for his surprise party, <laughs> he notices that there are like arrows in the wall. And then uh, uh, um, Richard is like, you know, I have the crossbow. I've been practicing. I was thinking of using it on you. <laughs> yeah. And Alan's like, oh, don't do that. And then. He talks about um, he he confronts him with thinking that he's sleeping with his wife and talks about the sound that she makes when she comes. That sounds like a little dying animal. That's so like creepy. It, 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 it feels voyeuristic and wrong. like it, it it feels like a thing that would be would be real. But also like you, you should, like I feel I feel bad and like I it feels violating that I that I know that about a fictional person. You, you, you know what I mean? It seems like that's such a... And also that a, he thinks that he, that's what he attributes it to being like. But, like, but, but it's just like this is the this is a this is a private thing that only people, you know, only the yeah. very closest people would even know about and like he yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. It it, it it just is very effective affecting and powerful, I think. Well, and how and it also kind of points out um when he describes it that way that he has he he has has crossed the the place of madness where sex and death start kind of being the same thing and that's mm-hmm. when you know she's going to die and indeed yeah. when he does choke her out with the uh with the sex scarf mm-hmm. um she she gurgles <laughs> like yeah. and yeah. we are not spared from that this is one of the few deaths that we are absolutely not spared from and it's terrible yeah it's sort of shot from her face with which is all like scraped Cut up, up and stuff yeah, and, yeah it's oh uh, to be fair, though, you know, right? and it I takes guess, a while, like right. most not not quite like real life, like the full like two no, minutes or something. No, no, no. But, but yeah, it, it goes on like for a Tales from the Crypt universe, like Tales from the Crypt is totally <laughs> the kind of thing where someone hits yeah, the, somebody like, on top of the head with a frying pan and they fall down dead. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like, ne- the neck break. The, <laughs> they're dead. Oh, they're dead. Yeah. Oh. And it's, so it's like a little bit. Yeah. You have the neck break so that it's grisly, but people die super easily in Tales from <laughs> yeah. the Crypt, like super easily. Um, yeah. But she does not die easily, and it's no, and it's terrible, no. and it's yeah. yeah. You you hear you you hear her go through stages of life. You hear her struggling, and then you hear her getting exhausted, and then you just see her go still. Right. It's very sad. And then and then he with with his acting, he conveys. You see a thing where he, for just a minute, he makes a face that's kind of like, oh shit. I just killed her. But then like the madness comes like the madness is back and there. And so he's, he's like, aha, like, just as I planned. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Like like this was this was, of course, always a plan now, now to have sex with her dead body. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he drags her to the other cabin and wings open the door and the lights snap on. And there's just a room full of people in dumb party hats with blows like those whistleblower things yeah, and a yeah. big homemade weird banner that says happy anniversary, Richard, you're going to be a daddy. Yeah. And I, I feel like this, this, the way this is shot also is a little bit surreal. It kind of has, uh, has, uh, it, it's kind of shot from below. 
it, it has a, I don't know, just the way it looks, it kind of looks like, uh, it kind of looks kind of like Twin Peaksy or something. Like, yeah, so the people, so he is shot from above. He's yeah. sort of shot, he's sort of like hunched, he's hunched over because he's dragging her dead body. And so right. you have someone who's probably standing upright filming him. So it's not like an extreme shot from below, no, right, but right, it's right. like over his head shooting down. So he looks, he looks right. very animalistic and sort of like, um, like a like a like a chipmunk caught in the headlights kind of thing. Like he's like a little a little hunched creature that's like that's eating food or something like. Ugh. And then all of the guests are sort of arranged um, on what appears like on stairs and things. So they're all different levels. But then that's the that's the low shot. So then the the camera's probably from his perspective, mm-hmm. looking up at these people, making them seem much bigger than they are. Um, and you see all these people like be like surprise, and then look down and realize what's happening, and just fall utterly silent. And then it cuts to him, and he looks horrified. And then you see her, the, her face, her dead face. It ends with her desk ma- death mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, she's sort of being like, he's sort of dragging her with like a makeshift noose, almost like by yeah. the neck, like yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot. So also we did not mention. Did we mention when he's when he's chasing her around and killing her? He's also wearing the coat from the beginning, which has blood kind of on the lapel. So he looks ridiculous. Um, but also it's kind of scary or kind of like kind of like he's a barbarian or a caveman or something. Um, and you know you you know right? She comes in it's a dark house. He's like happy anniversary, baby. You know like this sort of. There's and a then, little bit of a uh, of uh, Buffalo Bill in him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he and he sort of menaces her and chases her upstairs and then, you know, when she's in the when then he's talking to you know, let me in baby. I know this is, you know, I know you got this for Alan, but I think I'm going to like it too. But then and she hauls a dresser in front of it and then he just starts screaming, you know, yo cocksucking whore. Like this is really, th- you know, we are inert to like a coarse name culture, but this feels it feels so bad and so horrible. Um and he and so she's getting away from him and she there's this excellent little acting choice. I don't know if it was the actress or the director or what, but he kind of he kind of pushes her over as he forces himself into the room and she protectively grabs her belly. And it's it's not it's not highlighted at all. It's just kind of a little thing that happens in the background. And you're like, yep, she's pregnant. And, you know, you can miss it on an initial watch, but it's such a good little little choice there. Um, uh, it's 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 great. <laughs> And then yeah. and then he then he almost does the here's Johnny thing where he kind of like his goofily, like face is crammed in the doorway. Yeah, 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 pokes his way in only instead of holding an axe, you know, he has this he's ready to garrot her with this silk scarf. Um, also, right. So the, the ending is a double meeting, right? Three's a crowd because, you know, there's Alan, but also there's, there's the, the, baby. the baby. Yep. And in fact, this leads me to my thing that, you know, you say that, right, like if they only would have told him he would, uh, you know, things would have been OK. But I would posit, and I realize you don't. You, uh, I, I realize that uh, I do not have you, children. Yeah, you don't have a kid. But I think that some of these themes also extrapolate to what it is like to have an infant in your life. Oh, um, that's very smart. I postpartum depression. You got somebody who's driving a wedge. Nobody's sleeping. Suddenly, your partner has this whole other thing going on that maybe you're not in on. You know, we we know cult- culturally that abuse and depression and people getting you know that having a child having a new child is is a big stress on a relationship and so i would say in the most bleakest understanding now they were screwed anyway richard was gonna murder him was gonna flip out and murder his family no matter what 
Yeah, that's actually a very good point. Um, I, I'm mostly being a little bit glib when I'm like, yeah, communication. Of course, of course, of course. But like, that's just like the message of the day. It's like, if you think that your partner might be paranoid, don't throw them a surprise party. Like that's <laughs> mostly goofy, but I do I do like that reading of it. And I think that the final the final moments of the episode support that as well. Mm-hmm. Um I think that we are led to believe that his 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 poisoned mind is such that anybody who is taking uh her uh, away from him be it right. Alan, be it a child, um, he will he will internalize that threat and may and justify it in his own mind, um, and ending with and ending with him basically dragging her in, um, which the crypt keeper highlights by saying, "Now that's what I call dragging your wife to a party," which is <laughs> which was like which I was uh, like I could have done without that. That's yeah. Whew, that's yeah, this heady. Is, this, this- this is uh, for different reasons that this is one of the one of, one of those episodes where the bumpers don't really do it any favors. Um, it's kind of like the movie where I'm just kind of like, yeah, I could j- just just, maybe just end just it. Let us, just let us. Yeah. And I understand I have a format to stick to and everything. And it's fine. It's not especially egregious. But like when you end on such a dark place with that with the death mask of the woman and, you know, the, the, the twist, everything. And it's so, it's been so compact and so intense. It's kind of weird to have the Crypt Keeper, like, crack some jokes. Be like, yeah. everything's fine. I do like the intro. Um, for some bizarre reason, the Crypt Keeper um, is wearing headphones and has a microphone like he's a DJ. I don't remember how that how he ties that into it. Yeah. But, I, but my immediate thought when I saw that was, oh, Crypt Keeper has a podcast. <laughs> he's just like us. Crypt Keepers <laughs> are just like us. Going back to kind of the idea of an unreliable narrator as well, um, I want to touch a little bit on the style of this episode sure. and how I think it supports it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I so I think I also kind of got like a American Psycho vibe from this, but I just like identified it as like 80s posh excess. Like everything <laughs> is made out of like glass and satin and like you can totally figure out where that is in time yeah, just by yeah. looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um. And it feels like it feels like a movie that I wish was actually made. Like I would have been. I, I tried to really think about what uh, what visual cues it was drawing on, and the only thing I could really arrive at was it. It feels like an expensive thriller, but wears like a soap opera. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's like a it's like an expensive thriller, but with soap opera tastes. If mm-hmm. it had not quite the budget to get there, it's like that. Um, yeah, I, I think I think maybe, and maybe I'm. Maybe I'm uh, associating cultural baggage you don't mean for it to have there. But I mean, I, I feel like it's not, but it's not, it's not real soapy. I mean, it, no, 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 no. What I'm saying is just like everything is like a little bit too big, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everything's yeah. a little bit too big. Like the, that, that metal door is a little bit too heavy when it thunks shut. Um, yeah, yeah. The cabin is a little bit too high of a vertical. Like there's yeah. like the stairs are too tall for like what that cabin would be like. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. But but I, and, and I think the director, I'd be interested in digging into maybe other stuff they've worked on because there's a lot of up and down camera, a lot of slow panning up and down, like looking at things um, sometimes from a character's perspective. Often, uh, oftentimes I feel like not really just kind of revealing Richard down by himself or revealing Richard up by himself. Yeah, I think that that's done um, largely to kind of indicate that the way he looks at the world is like hierarchical. He doesn't actually like take in things. He's like constantly parsing like that person's doing better than me. That person's doing worse than me. I'm in this place. Like he's always kind of thinking where he is, which is always a top down 
motion. He doesn't like look side to side. He doesn't see like, oh, these things are equal to each other. He just sees them like number one, number two, number three. And I'm number three. I'm the worst. Mm -hmm. You and I are both um, uh, talkative, maybe kind of manic people. But I, I think that this performance is anything but he's slow and sad. It's just that it's good and tight, so you can infer a lot. You, you know, a lot from it. He's not like his eyes aren't. He's not. He's not a twitchy psychopath or anything. No, it's it's kind of slow and a little bit boozy, but they, he does such a good. In, in the same way, there, I think at the end he realizes that he's done something terrible. He's surprised when he sees his family. Then it kind of then his then the way he looks switches just a little bit. Like, oh my god, I made a terrible mistake. And then you just see the dead wife. So I don't know if he's irredeemably crazy. You know, in that in that final moment, but but um, it, it's just like a master class in 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 doing a lot with a little. I would agree. I read that final scene because I agree with you. It's it's weird. Like he, first of all, you feel like he understands the full weight of what he has done, mm-hmm. and you feel like you feel like ultimately in that moment he realizes that he has failed beyond all possible redemption like this is it mm-hmm. not yeah. only did he do things that, something that's so terrible everybody he knows has yeah, seen just, him just, do it just saw like, him do it yeah yeah so um but i feel like that so before we have okay so we have like the the weird hotel I, I think you're right i think it is a hotel i tried to figure yeah. out what that it, space have, was yeah, for a while. I, I did too they have like the little bottles of booze they seem to be yeah. on there. i'm sure here's the deal i'm sure alan is like well you know i gotta come down from the city i'm staying at my place in la but uh we'll just put you up in a nice hotel and then we'll just get on the yacht. we'll just fire the yacht up in the morning and i'll, I'll be flying in on a red eye no problem you know, it's one of those deals yeah. They're staying at like whatever the most expensive hotel in whatever town is closest to Allen's Island is. Absolutely. And you have sort of all these scenes like like the, the scene on the boat definitely looks like something out of American Psycho. Like yeah, just yeah. like the colors of it, the way yeah, people are positioned. It's sterile. And it's, and it's like you see them roll in to the dock on the yacht and you see how much bigger the the yacht is than even the dock like they have to like descend from this high place to get down mm-hmm. and then once you're in the cabin it's like it's cozy and it's violent because it's a cabin but it's also right. like really really tall <laughs> like mm-hmm. just everything about it, all those panning shots like he's so high up those stairs are impossibly huge and yeah. so you have yeah. you, you continue sort of this like this up and down thing that they have Mm -hmm. and then when you finally when you finally get to the the gut punching end you go from richard's viewpoint which is like kind of being adrift and like dwarfed or like trying to descend Mm -hmm. and move around and sort of scamper around the levels of this like extreme opulence that has this extreme vertical and then suddenly you're in a much smaller cabin that is crowded with people. It's a big, it's a it's a small room with a ton of people packed into it. And the hierarchy is so clear. Like he is low and they are normal. And that's like where it disconnects from his viewpoint and you see it actually as it stands. Yeah. Like like yes. Richard might be a rich guy, but these are just cabins. Like they're not, <laughs> it's not, it's not like this, like this weird mix of like, of, um, of, uh, oh man, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's oh, a yeah. 
but they're not yeah. like they're, yeah the cabins don't have these impossible lofted it's not like a cross between a cabin and a skyscraper the first floor is yeah. not 30 feet high it's not this like weird mix of like homestead cozy family like kind of like traditional americana ideas about like being being the only thing that holds you together on the edge of like a cold dark wood you know mm-hmm. like that's that's something that cabins stand for mixed with this like potential violence dead animals on the wall there's a crossbow all these hard edges this extreme violent angles right so it's like sort of mixing domesticity with violence in a way that i think really appeals to richard you just realize like oh they're just like in a cabin you can like rent in gatlinburg (laughs) like Mm -hmm. oh like it's normal this is normal we're just been seeing it from his extreme his extreme Mm -hmm. point of view this whole time yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that scene at the end is the maybe the first re- the world as it is shot that we have. Yeah. As the scales descend from his eyes for a moment. Yeah. I also yeah. think that they did nice work where Alan and Richard are very contrasting and in ways that you wouldn't expect them to be. Like Alan is sort of like has like dark hair and a darker complexion and he's smaller. He's like kind yeah, of a, yeah. he's, he's dwarfed. Richard's a big guy. Yeah, Richard's a huge a huge bruiser of a man, and then uh, but Alan he's like is a more is a more refined aristocratic sort of man. Yeah, and I think that that like sort of makes sense there, but it's also like Alan feels a little bit like scrappier. Like mm. like Richard has almost this angelic quality to him. He's got like this like kind of like big swoopy Superman curl of of. Uh, mm-hmm of golden hair and he's pro- he's like more classically attractive i would say than than alan is like mm-hmm. you know he's sort of y- you could imagine him playing like hercules in a movie yeah um, yeah definitely definitely whereas yeah. alan is more like could be you could have like if this movie had more or if this uh, episode had more budget you could have put al pacino in as alan <laughs> like he's sort of like he's sort of like yeah. you know like he's Ooh-ah. a little bit He's a little bit like kind of like a we buggy almost did in high school. Ooh-ah. Whereas yeah. you feel like Richard is more um, is more like like a cherub. And then to see that get flipped where Alan is actually like sort of th- yeah, the is, compa- the de- is the devil or yeah, yeah Alan, Alan is compassionate. And Alan is a compassionate, normal human being. And Richard is is like a, a wolf in sheep's clothing, I think is a really cool choice that they made. And I think I, I, we we keep talking about Richard and uh, Alan, but I, I, Della certainly is is the other important part of this triangle. And I don't think that she's not a skull. She, for the limitations that Richard's point of view allows for, she's not really a scold. She seems like kind of a kind of a sad, also a sad, isolated person. Um, but she has legitimate warmth and connection with Alan. Um, you, you know, again, it's 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 not because they're having an affair. It's because we're it, this is a this is a crazy a. a a mentally unwell person seeing normal human intimacy and 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 freaking out about it uh but um i just to say i think that uh ruth de souza does a does, does a bang up job and i don't think that della is just a just a body or a damsel in distress or anything in this story too um she just has a more limited role yeah i was very sad when both she and alan died i mean obviously when she died it's so visceral but even alan is sort of off i would say and not like not not I mean, casually, uh, but like when he dies, I was sad about it. I was like, Alan, you should go. Don't stand. That guy is like definitely going to shoot you with that crossbow. You should yeah. go. Um, I was I was more sad than I generally am in these sorts of things when people die. 
You can kind of also understand. I I think that there is um there is nice parallel drawn sort of between Della and uh, Richard in the story where both of them are retreaters. Mm-hmm. Like basically, her main move is Richard does something bad and she like dashes away to another part of the house crying, and he is just retreating inside himself too. Right? Like she's yeah. doing the same thing. So you can kind of understand on a pretty nuanced level why they aren't very good together. Mm-hmm. Like they they both they both are crummy at fighting and they both fight the same way. Yeah. Yes. And or, also, I think, and, and I also think it works beautifully because, right, when you're just too tired to maintain the relationship, that's also usually how it goes. Yeah, they're like she's a, she is avoiding, and and it makes sense too from like perspective of she's finally conceived. She's finally like right. This is a failure on her part too. As much as as Richard right, has right, has right. internalized this as being his problem, like she must have done the same thing too. So you can assume that you know she's finally done the thing she was that she's wanted to for so badly for so long, and now and now she's realizing that her husband's like kind of a dick and an alcoholic, and she just right, doesn't want to right. deal with it. She's like things are going to get better. I'm happy. This is fine. Everything's going to be fine. I'm just going to avoid it if you're too drunk. Right. And, and indeed, that, that could be sort of the healthy response, right? Because not every time your spouse gets too drunk or something, does that merit intervention? You know, we, we, we the audience, have the benefit of knowing what happens. But yeah, like this is actually very normal. Like, like Richard, you're just getting boozed up and drunk. And in four hours, you're going to be the happiest man on the island. And, and, and everything's fine because we love each other. You love me. I love you. Nothing's going to come between, you know, there's nothing to come between us and we're going to have our perfect little nuclear family. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so speaking about the end, just briefly again, what did you think was going to happen? Did you think, this? did you call exactly what was going to happen here? Um, I, I, well, you, you know, right. Like, you know how stories work. I assume there was, there was, a, I, I assume there was going to be some sort of surprise. Um, I initially thought it was going to be a baby. Um, but then I saw the highball glass and I was like, I don't know what it is. What's he going to what's what is he going to find in the cabin down there? <laughs> and then I, th- so then by the end of it, I was like, I don't really know. Is, is there going to be, a, you know, is there going to be is, is this going to be like totally conquers bonkers where we've had this really uh, cerebral intense thing? And then he like opens it up and like turns out he's in hell <laughs> like like yeah. there are monsters in the. So I don't I, I I feel like I initially figured it out and then sort of talked myself out of it and then I was just like well I'm just on I'm just here for the ride let's see what happens I mean you know was he gonna was it gonna just be him going in there and being a necrophiliac I mean I didn't know yeah I had a very specific idea of what it was gonna be um, mm-hmm. which I can't I feel like what they landed on is actually better I just I don't think I had it like in my it, there wasn't parlance in my mind for like the idea of someone having an anniversary party that involves more than just like your the couple yeah at the, 10 the, that years was, that was like mistake number one right <laughs> we're gonna celebrate our anniversary with this guy <laughs> yeah it's just well but like the idea of like we're inviting gonna celebrate a bunch our love of people with a high school buddy yeah well even like just like the idea of inviting a bunch of people to your anniversary party seems weird yeah, like yeah, unless yeah. you're yes. like you're it's also like your 25th and you have like or 50th and you have a bunch of like kids and grandkids it just seems strange. Yeah. Um, so so I think that that like was kind of a blocker for me. But what I definitely thought was going to happen is I thought he was going to open the cabin. He was going to flick on the light and there was going to be like the most adorable little baby, like kind of like make cooing in a crib. And there was mm-hmm. going to be a sign that was like, meet our son, Richard. We Jr. adopted a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then he's going to yeah. be standing there like looking like this kid, which then he has to decide, am I going to kill this kid? Am yeah. I going to 
pick up this kid and pretend that everything's fine? Like, what am I going to do? Right, we've you been know? watching too much Tales of the Crypt where we're like, yeah, and then he has to make the most important decision of the episode. Am I going to kill this kid? Am I going to kill this kid? Does this kid need that's, to die? That's what I thought was going to happen. I wonder if that would have been too terrible. Yeah. I don't know. I, th- it's all terrible. I think that they made the best choice. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, because there's something visceral and horrible about him murdering his not only his wife, but the their unborn child. Their also, hope for salvation you know right like also it's a better buttonhole to have a bunch of people there like that's more of a thing of like public failure like that he has ultimately failed whereas if it's like if it's just a baby facing him down then it's just like you're just like oh man like he is the last person that should be around a baby what right like that's just horror on your part it's it's better Mm -hmm. if it's also horror on his part yes yes and it, it has that uh that, that, like, terrible cliche where people are like, guy tried to kill himself, didn't succeed, couldn't even succeed. Like, that that, that sort of dark, malignant, sort of mm-hmm. terrible societal trope that we kind of have, you know, couldn't even succeed at blowing his own head off. Um, it sort of has some of that, too. Like, couldn't even, couldn't even murder his wife and her best and his best friend. Yep. Was wrong about that, too. Couldn't yep. figure out that he was a dad. Yep. Yep. Failed every way, which way you can. Made no good choices. I think it's funny that you think that Richard is really handsome. Because in my notes, I wrote that he, I think he kind of looks like a cross between Gary Busey and Jeffrey Jones. That's so mean. No, he's like a class. He's more I mean, handsome than that. But. He's way more handsome than that. To me, he looks like if um, Hades from Disney's Hercules was handsome. Yeah. No, no. And he... And indeed, he has um, kind of like broad features, but he's like clearly like a really like strong dude. Like yeah, he's, he's a big, big guy. Teeth. I saw yeah. um he 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 actually passed away in I think uh, two thousand five. Um, oh. but I saw some interviews right. and stuff. And he's he he is a right, he's he. like a good looking man in real life. Yeah, Aged well, 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 and they also I mean I think that they that he starts out and he's like he's like kind of like smooth and like and beautiful, and then as the episode progresses, he gets more crazy and like his. <laughs> His features are more drawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets more Buseyan. Starts it acting goes more with his teeth. Yeah. He's like he's like a five on the Busey scale. Yeah. Um, yeah. But most of it's just because he's got big chops. <laughs> big chop. Choppers. Big, big chops. Cho- he's got big big cheeks. <laughs> chops. No, like chompers, like teeth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's return back to our roots a little bit. Initially, remember this this podcast is theoretically about. Uh, remembering watching these things as a kid. If you were a child, if you were in grade school, like we were, when this episode would, would have been broadcast as education, and you saw this, what would you make of it? Too much. I th- Yes, but also, like, I think the kind of horror that is portrayed here is, is actually quite adult. Not, not just in terms of being, like, explicit, but I feel like this would be an episode where you're like, I was bored <laughs> for about 20 minutes, and then a bunch of scary stuff happened that I only kind of understand. And then, like that gut punch ending, may or may not land for a kid. So I think I think that this is something. This is a very grown up episode um, in terms of sophistication. Like as like a child could watch till death do us part. And even if you don't understand things like land deals and crooked inheritance and gold digging, um, it's still like there's still like you know zombies and running around and head chops with machetes. Good good family fun. That would that that one I think would would be sort of evergreen. But this one I feel like a child would be bored. And then sort of irrationally scared and then and then just sort of confused. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, 
I don't know. I definitely feel like th- you make a good point in that. I think that there are things that would like I remember in Demon Knights, those demon like the demons mm-hmm. that are are, are were very scary. And when yeah. I watch it now, like I, they're way less scary. I think that they're like kind of a nice special effect, but like they don't scare me. I didn't lose right. sleep over them. Yeah. So I don't I don't necessarily know if I would have thought that this episode was very, very scary, but I think that I would have known. I think I would have felt like it would have been like, this is too rich for my blood. Yeah, to... no, no. Yeah, yeah. Not, not I think scary, jump make... scares, but like, yeah, all, all the like the yelling and the guy acting weird and then like very graphically choking a woman to death like that. Yeah, that... I think I think I would have I think it would have like upset me quite yeah. a bit. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um. But it's it's just different. I it's sort of maybe it's like the flip side of the same coin of um of uh, collection complete, where mm-hmm. if I watched that as a kid, I would have been very upset that he was killing animals, and that still is upsetting to me. But I understand, yeah. given the tonality of the of the story now as a as an adult, that it's supposed to be like kind of just like kitschy and funny a little bit. Like it's 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 a yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, a little sa- bit dumb. Yeah. It's a little yeah. dumb and it has like a little like tinge of satire to it. So like I, I obviously it's horrifying that he's killing animals, but the the way the story is being told makes me feel comfortable with it. You know? It's it's monstrous that he's trying to destroy his wife's happiness. That's the most horrifying thing. Well, but it's like you because he doesn't want to share in her hobbies and joy of animals. <laughs> Truly, like, their marriage is in trouble. But like the tone allows me to uh, and yeah. allows me to like like uh, swallow at the end that like he's like a weird like taxidermy being himself without like totally losing my mind because that is a horrifying yeah. thing. Right, right. Yeah. That it's that itself. Right. Yeah. If played if played absolutely realistically would be, you know, horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but this, I feel like maybe is like the flip side in that I would know that it was really scary and bad and I it would upset me, but I'm not sure I could totally, I think I would like, there would be things about it that bothered me that as an adult wouldn't, like it would might, it might really scare me when he's like menacing Alan with the crossbow, but that's like not very scary to me anymore. Yeah. Or like, it, like the, 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 my own feelings of fail of like fears of failure feed into that where you're like oh my god like what if you did just like totally get in your own mind that's like more of what it is as an adult i don't Mm -hmm. think you get that as a kid all right let's rate the sucker oh is this even a surprise would you like to go first mary yes i also am going to reveal that i do not think that the thing he strangles her with is a um a scarf with this (laughs) it's a a sex scarf (laughs) i rated this five out of five gemstone studded nylons because that's what they are they're yeah, like yeah. they're like thigh high nylons that have uh jewels on them i just feel like they look thinner i i i'm totally open to the fact that what i'm describing is absurd but have you looked at some vintage underpants um <laughs> they were absurd dick snoods <laughs> Uh, I also this is a this is another hand holding club episode um i also rate this episode five out of five highball glasses um Oh, man, <laughs> I just remembered a kind of incongruously funny part. Do you remember when he when he has the when they're having the fight when they have the fight and he's drinking? Um, he ha- he's pouring himself a highball and he kind of wakes up and he kind of confronts them with kind of feeling like maybe they're cheating and in not so many words. And they're basically like, Richard, you're drunk. <laughs> and then he kind of chases him out of the cabin and he says something like, asshole, you're the one who's fucking my wife. And he <laughs> he's standing outside wearing like men's dress pants that are kind of unbuttoned so his paunch can kind of extend no shirt 
holding a highball glass and he throws it like it's a baseball, like kind of <laughs> at them, like, and stay out. <laughs> yes. I do recall that part. <laughs> It's just, it's just like like just that like like if we just just that clip is hilarious. Well, next time, in a sad tale reminiscent of Greece two, we meet a model whose new flame won't stay snuffed out in a love story suitable for any splatter platter in episode six of season two, the thing from the grave. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you for listening to Crypt Keepers. Please check us out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or the platform of your choice to subscribe, rate, and review us. Be sure to visit OutrageousMechanisms.com slash Crypt-Creepers to see our show notes. And also check out our new website, which is recently redesigned, and it looks pretty spiffy. If you want to see pictures of what we look like, you can go to the website and not have to imagine what our faces look like. Hey. Or maybe draw them on your hands and kind of do like a Topo Gigio. <laughs> A little personal show for yourself. Um, it's very true. Uh, also, you and I are both interacting with food in our picture in a way that is weird. I, I, I think it's very normal. I am drinking a Fuddruckers peanut butter and jelly milkshake in my picture. I am wearing a paper piece of pie on top of my head. <laughs> Doesn't oh, get man. me more normal and realer than normal that. Normal is apple pie. Normal is paper pie. <laughs> normal is paper pie. Once paper again, we have pie. Our- we have our Amazon affiliate link in the show description uh, because we cleverly have chosen a show that you can only watch on YouTube uh, of dubious legality. Um, and uh, yeah, stop doing it. Show. Also, it's really crummy quality. Yeah, it looks so bad. Yes, yes. Uh, f- somehow find the forty-five or so dollars it will cost to get a used set from a Canadian library of all of Tales from the Crypt, and that's more than ninety episodes and hours and hours of entertainment and really bad, funny vintage. Uh, Menu design, um, the bonus feature for this disc of the um, second season. If you click on bonus features, it says bonus features on a different disc. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> a little dead in there. Um, ah, also, oh, also, they couldn't put all the di- bonus features on this disc. Got to get the other one from my, my local library. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I got to check out disc two if I want to watch the bonus feature. Got to go Got to go talk to the moose that runs that library about getting disc two. <laughs> yep. Um, but of course, uh, follow the Amazon affiliate link. It helps us out. Um, it also helps John Kassir out and all everyone else who poured their sweat, blood, and tears into this series. So, why including not support all these the people artists? who like weren't big Hollywood mucky mucks, character actors, and people who directed Purple Haze. That's right. Give them that's a right. buck. David Burton Morris, if 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 he is still alive, because I didn't do any research on him, he deserves your money. He sure does. Gavin O'Hurley, he, he deserves your money. Ruth DeSouza, she deserves your well, money. Well, his Paul estate Lieber, deserves your eh. money. I mean, we're a little bit more mixed on Alan. Mary definitely thinks he deserves your money. I do. Yeah. After being swiftly convicted and sentenced to death, Richard felt like a bigger failure than ever. But don't feel too bad for him, though. I heard Richard's executor gave him the following words of wisdom before throwing the switch. If at first you don't succeed, fry, fry again! (laughs) Outrageous?